So first, I want to apologize. I'm a bit under the weather, um, so I'm going to have to have some hot tea. I thought it was chai tea, but no, it's vanilla caramel tea, which was kind of surprising um, because I wanted, like, you know, black tea, and I got candy. Um, but anyway, and I also have, uh, I have some cough drops. I may have to take one, and I, I, I'm really sorry. I, I, I'm trying my best here, but, you know. Um, anyway... Um, yeah, so the topic tonight is, is why missions? I wanted to talk a little bit about why we even think missions are important. And if, if you're here and you don't know Jesus and you're not a Christian, then I, I want to say, I, I'm sorry, this message may not be specifically for you. There will be parts that are applicable to you, but more I'm speaking to the Christians in this room, right? And so the first thing I, I want to say is missions is incredible, I've been on many like little short-term trips like what y'all have for the spring break and, and you know, for summer. And I've gotten to travel to places I never thought I'd get to go. Like I've been to Germany twice. I've been to the Netherlands. I got to go to Cuba. I got to like sneak Bibles into Cuba. You know how cool that is? That's a communist country. They're closed, you know. I remember I was at, at the border, you know, and, and, and trying to sneak in. And I had one suitcase of clothes and one suitcase full of Bibles, right? And, uh... And there, there's this really cool thing if you're from Texas, right? Um, people make two decisions about you. Like, they just immediately, they immediately, like, either think that you have a gun, which, you know, is probably true, and that, or, or two, that you're dumb, okay? And so I remember going through the border control in, in Cuba, and, and the guys, like, you know, I understood enough Spanish from, you know, Spanish in high school. You know, the guy wanted to check my luggage, right? And so... I, I didn't know what to do, you know? And, and so I just, I busted out my, my redneck accent, okay? Like, any, anybody here redneck? It's okay. You don't have to raise your hand. It's fine. Yeah, I got a couple proud people. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, you know, I, my, my family's got more trailer park than, than family tree. You know what I mean? Like, one of those people. So when I was a kid, I actually had a thick country accent. And so it can come out at will, or if I'm talking to my grandma, then it just comes right out. But anyway, I remember border control, right? And the guy's asking to look at my luggage. And I'm like, hey, hola, yo donde Texas, como te llamas? And I just kept going, como te llamas? Como te llamas? Over and over. And finally he got frustrated and let me go through. So it was like, praise God, you know? So go on a mission trip, and you too may be able to shout bad Spanish at somebody in a redneck accent, you know? But first thing I want to do is um, I want to define missions, right? Sometimes we think missions is it's getting on a plane and it's flying far away, right? But that's not what missions is. Missions is not that. Missions is just spreading the gospel, right? Missions is just talking about Jesus wherever you are. So here's an essential principle that I need you to understand is that you are a missionary, okay? Right now, you are a missionary. In fact, God has written that into your being, into your character, that, that you, are, you think like a missionary. You're, you're a proclaimer. You're an evangelist. Does that make sense? Even if you don't walk with God, you proclaim something, right? So like, how do you know somebody's a vegan? You wait five minutes. They'll tell you, Right? <laughs> So, like, that's, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, it's innate in us to talk about the things that we love, right? And to talk about things that we value, okay? So, 
missions isn't just getting on a plane and handing out Bibles or, or, you know, sleeping in a grass hut in Africa. That's not essentially what missions is. Essentially, at its core, missions is just talking about Jesus wherever you are. Does that make sense? Are you all with me? Yeah? Okay. So first thing I want you to do is I want you to get out whatever you're using to write with, whether that be your cell phone, you know, so if you're Snapchatting somebody right now, you can double click out of that real quick and look spiritual. You know, uh, notes, notes, it's my notes. Um, So get out your note-taking device, whether that's old school pen and paper or electronic. And I want you to write very quickly. We're not going to take too much time on this. I want you to write why you think we should do missions. What is your motive for talking to people about Jesus. Man, this is an awkward silence. Okay. So hopefully you didn't have to write that much. You know, I'm not asking for an essay. Just, just a thought, you know. Okay. So just leave that there and we'll get back to it in a second. Okay. So uh, I remember... I remember landing in the Czech Republic... Right, my my wife and, and I and our our, our uh, we went with four kids, came back with five. Um, we didn't like steal a child from somebody. We had one. Just want to make that clear. Um, we're not like smuggling babies in suitcases or anything. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I remember we we flew overseas to go to the Czech Republic. Czech Republic is this country in Central Europe. It borders Germany and Poland and Slovakia and Austria. You may remember it. it you may know it as Czechoslovakia even though that hasn't been a thing since like 1994 and most of y'all weren't even born then. But um, so like we went to the Czech Republic because God had placed a burden on our hearts for that country, okay? And that country is 97% atheist agnostic. There are more people there that claim to be like alcoholic than claim to be Christian, right? Isn't that crazy? That, that country is like three generations removed from having a Bible in the home. That means, like, the last person in your family that actually read the Bible regularly was your great-grandma, right? And that's the country that God called us to. And, man, I remember, like, we were there for a month, and we were just dying for a hamburger. Like, all we wanted was just a stinking hamburger. And the only place to get a hamburger is McDonald's, okay? Yeah, McDonald's. Can you imagine? I've sunk so low in life, that I think, oh, if I could just have McDonald's, right? Like, that's, see what missions does to you. Anyway, so I suffered for Jesus, and I took my family to the McDonald's, okay? And I, I, the whole time in line, I'm, like, practicing my check. You know, I I knew enough functional check to get, like, you know, what I needed, you know? Like, my check level was, like, me want ham, you know? Like, but, but it communicates, right? It works. So, I remember practicing in line. I'm, like, repeating to myself. I look like a crazy person talking to myself. I get up to the front, and I order everybody's food, and then it gets to my point, right? Because I ordered the kids, my wife. Now it's my turn, and I say, I would like the number eight, please. Right? And and the lady goes, the, the poor woman that is cursed with being my order taker, cashier person, right? She said, I know, asmichku. I'm like, asmichku? That's not what I said. I didn't say asmichku. I said, chislo osum. What is this stuff? Now, I was warned before we got there that Czechs are known for being sneaky, okay? So I'm like, oh, I get it. She thinks I'm American. And so she's trying to, like, you know, get more money out of me. 
I'm on to you, right? And so I'm like, no, 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 no. And, and I say this in Czech, nene, nene, číslo osum. And she's like, I know, asmičku. And I'm like, nene, nene, číslo osum. And she's like, nene, nene, asmičku. And I'm like, číslo osum. And like, I'm getting mad, right? Great missionary, I'm screaming at people. And, and there's this poor, this angelic being that could speak both English and Czech gracefully intervened and he was just like <clears throat> he was like sir she's saying the number eight back to you oh and then i used a line that became the most important line that i ever learned in czech yasim bil biamik i'm a dumb american so i said om levam say yasim bil biamik and we all laughed at how dumb the americans are right I remember another time I was praying, and, and I'm like asking God, and, and you'll get to do this, right? If, if you go overseas, this is going to happen to you, right? Um, this is part of the fun and joy of the adventure of missions, right? I remember I was praying, and um, in Czech, if you want help, the word for help is pomoc. Pomoc, okay? The word for urine is pomoc. So if you're ever praying in Czech, I'm not saying this has happened to me, but if you're ever praying in Czech, be sure that you ask for God's help and not his urine. Yeah, so uh, pray that in front of a church. Yeah. Oh, God, send your urine. Oh, God, send your urine. Anyway. Yikes. Anyway, okay. So we're going to open up to uh, Mark chapter 11. We're going to read verses 8 through 21. It's kind of a larger chunk of scripture there. And we're going to dive into why missions. You know, it's not just to go overseas and look dumb, believe it or not. That'll give you a minute. All right. So many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So we'll just pause for a second. So Jesus, this is the triumphal entry, right? He's coming in and being welcomed as the king of Israel, right? They're, They're recognizing him as the Messiah. And... And then Jesus, the first thing he does is he goes to the temple, he takes a look around, and then he heads out to a town called Bethany. Bethany was like a suburb of Jerusalem, okay? And at this time, it was the Passover, right? Everybody's getting ready for Passover. So the population of Jerusalem would double, sometimes triple, right? So you had to kind of go out and find space to, to sleep. And so they, Jesus and his disciples decided they would go to Bethany, okay? <clears throat> so... The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. He blocked the door. He like barred the door and was yelling at people. Right? So when 
you know, you've heard that, like, when somebody says, what would Jesus do? You know, this is a viable option, you know, flipping tables and screaming at people. Um, and as he taught them, he said, it, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and, and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out, to the, went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us tonight, God, that you would open our hearts and you would speak to us. God, I, I pray that you would um, help me communicate the message that you've put on my heart, God. God, that you would help us have an elevated view of missions, God, and understand your heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so there's two principles that I want to pull out of this passage that apply to evangelism and outreach, okay? And the two principles are this. One, Jesus must be proclaimed king. Jesus must be proclaimed king, okay? And the second is you must curse your fig trees. You must curse your fig trees, okay? So we're going to talk about the fig tree first. Because as you prepare to sign up for these mission trips that are going to change your life, I, I want you to know why you should go, right? And so we're going to look at these fig trees. And we're going to look at why we should curse them because it shows us why we should not go. It shows us the wrong motivation for going. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? Okay. Sorry. Y'all are quiet. Is everybody tired or? No? Okay. Or are you just scared of what the crazy guy is going to say? He's praying that God would pee on people. Anyway. So if y'all remember the last time I preached, right, uh, I talked about, I talked about, you know, the religion of hope and fear and how it was founded at the base of a fig tree. Do y'all remember that? Okay. And, and so the fig tree in the Bible, there's this law of biblical interpretation called the law of first mission, mention, okay? And so the first time that something is mentioned in, in the Bible gives you insight on how to interpret it, okay? And so <clears throat> with the fig tree, the first time it's mentioned is when man recognizes a need for himself and then tries to remedy that need himself. It is... Feeling like I'm shamed. Remember, because Adam and Eve said, we realized our nakedness, so we covered ourselves. Do you remember that? Genesis chapter 3. Sorry, that was gross. In Genesis chapter 3, right, is that Adam and Eve realized that they, they had shame, that something was wrong, right? And that they needed to cover themselves. So, they wove an apron of fig leaves, or, yeah, the literal Hebrew is apron, but a covering of fig leaves, right? So, they identified their own illness and devised their own cure. So, it's interesting about fig trees is that figs can have leaves and flowers, but no fruit, or they'll have fruit, but no leaves and flowers. They're kind of unique like that. And, in fact, in some languages, the word for fig literally translates to uh, fruit with no flower. Okay? And this is the religion of mankind. This is a religion with humanity at the center and not God. 
Okay? It's a religion that has all the trappings. It has all the leaves. And it has all the flowers. And it looks nice from a distance. But if you're hungry and you come to it, you will find it lacking in fruit. Does that make sense? And this is the religion that we want to avoid. This is what we want to stay away from. And there's some of you, maybe, maybe some of you in here actually are a part of this religion. Maybe some of you in here actually have yourselves at the center. Does that make sense? You're coming to Chi Alpha because you think you should. Because it's what's best for me. Or maybe, maybe, even, maybe even you talk to people about Jesus because it's good for me. Because I want God to love me. See, here, here are some wrong motivations. If you go to the field, if you go on a missions trip, look, you're going to suffer. Things are going to be hard. You're going to sleep in places that you don't want to sleep. You know, things are going to be gross and weird. You're going to have to eat some weird food that doesn't taste good, and you're going to have to pretend like you like it, you know? Like in the Czech Republic, everything was boiled. It was terrible. I just wanted a grilled steak. That's all. They didn't even give it to me. Selfish Czechs. But when you face the trials that come, when you face discomfort, if you are adhering to this, if you are a fig tree kind of person, you will not survive. You won't be able to push through. Like, let's say, let's say you feel like the Lord wants you to go and talk to somebody on your campus. Because remember, you are a missionary already. Let's say the Lord prompts you to go, but... But man, I don't want to have that awkward conversation. I'm going to feel weird or awkward or bad. And so you don't have that conversation. Because you value humans' needs over God's. Right? So a wrong motive for missions is they need to hear. They need to hear. How many of you have thought that? You don't have to raise your hand. But man, we need to support missions. We need to preach the gospel because they need it. Or those poor, unfortunate people, they just never had a chance. They, just, they deserve a fair shot. They don't deserve anything. The only thing that humanity deserves is hell. If this is your motive for missions. If this is your motive for evangelism and outreach, you will not last. You won't make it because there's no fruit on those trees. Do you understand? I'm sorry this is a little heavy, but this is so important. So the second point is that Jesus must be proclaimed king. Jesus must be proclaimed king. I want to point out, this is kind of a side note, but I, I want to point out here in, in the scripture, after this point, Jesus is never confused for anything other than someone who's claiming to be the king of Israel. Did you know that? He's never called a carpenter again. After this point, he's always the king. So, Isaiah forty three twenty five. This is a very important scripture because it will help you frame things. It says, I... Even I, and this is the Lord speaking, am he who blots out your transgressions 
for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Do you see that? Why does God take away your sins? For his own sake, not for yours. Jesus didn't go and die on the cross because you needed it. He did it for himself. Let me expand on that because I've seen a lot of weird looks. Right? So, we're in this series called As It Is in Heaven, right? Y'all remember that? We mentioned it a couple times. We're in a series called As It Is in Heaven. Do y'all know where that comes from? In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9, 10, 11, 12, I believe, there's this prayer called the Lord's Prayer, and I'm sure you've heard it before. It says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. You see, the Bible is nothing but a story, is nothing but a story of how God, our Father and King, is trying to reclaim the earth. Okay? So, as it is in heaven, if that's our theme, and if that's our goal, and that's our series, then we want his kingdom to come. So Jesus must be proclaimed as the king. So when you're talking to somebody about Jesus, when you're spreading the gospel, when you're getting on these planes and flying over oceans, or getting in a car and driving ungodly numbers of hours to go work in Colorado, right? You're not going because some poor person needs Jesus. You're going because God deserves to be king. Do you understand? Jesus must be proclaimed king. So what does that look like? What does that motivation look like? That motivation looks like this. He's your Lord. He's your king. And he says go. In Matthew 28. Go ye into all nations and make disciples. It's black and white. He's commanding you to go. He's the king. It's his kingdom by right. It's his. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. The earth, it's his. The ground, yeah, that's his. And the fullness thereof. Everything on that, that's his too. They that dwell therein, they belong to him. You belong to him. He owns it. It is his by right. We are the squatters. We are the, rebellion. We are the rebels. So it is our task as Christians to reclaim what is already his. Revelation 4.11. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. He's worthy. He's the only one that deserves the love and affection. He's the only thing that's worth basing your life around. He's the only thing that's worthy of waking up for. Are y'all with me? Isaiah 2 and Michael, Micah 4, okay, verses 2 through 4. They both say this same thing. It's really interesting that it's repeated twice in the Bible. And in Hebrew rabbinical tradition, when something is repeated, it's meant to add 
emphasis. That's why in Proverbs, they'll repeat the same line twice. It's because they're, they're adding emphasis. And this story is repeated twice. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between nations and will settle disputes of many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. He's real. The mountain of the Lord stands tallest because it's the most real thing in the world. They want to learn how to walk in his ways because that's the way you should walk. Did y'all catch that? It's implying the reason that there's conflict, the reason why there's, there's fighting is because we aren't walking in the ways of the Lord. And when we accept God's reality and do things how he described things to be done, then conflict ceases and swords are beaten into plowshares and spears are beaten into hooks. Isn't that beautiful? So we go and we proclaim and we... We proclaim his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven because he is worthy of it. Because it's real. Because it's true. Because it's good. So why missions? Why go on these trips? Because Jesus is a king and he deserves his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He deserves it. If your life is broken right now, it's not because you need God. It's because you're a rebel against the true king. We are not broken, hurt sinners. No, we are stupid, blind rebels that need to lay down their arms and repent. You don't need God to heal you. You need to stop fighting him. That's the truth. So if you're proclaiming the gospel and you're, you're talking to people about Jesus, but you're saying you need God, you're doing them a disservice because that's not the reality. The reality is he is a king and you must proclaim him as such. It is true that people need Jesus, but that's the byproduct. The prime product is submitting to your God. He made you. He redeemed you. He saved you. He loves you. He is worthy. He's the only thing in the universe that deserves your love. He's the only thing worthy of your love and devotion. He is the best thing for you. And if that's true for you, it's true for your neighbor. And if it's true for your neighbor, it's true for the world. And so our job is to make the earth as it is in heaven. To restore the kingdom here and now. And it can be done. So, when we were raising funds to go to the Czech Republic, um, we, we worked for years to get there. God called us to the Czech Republic in 2008, and we didn't leave until 2016. It was years of struggle, trying to, you know, jump through all the hoops, get everything done. Kept having kids. That's kind of my fault. Right? 
And I remember we were literally months away. In 2015, we were months away. And so we're doing our final budget review because as a full-time missionary, you have to raise a budget, right? And these are huge numbers. I had to raise, um, I had to raise about $5,000 in monthly pledges. Like I had to find people that would promise to give me money, right, every month in excess of $5,000 a month. It's like a lot of phone calls, you know, a lot of awkward conversations. And if you're raising money for your mission trip, you're going to have a few of them, and it's going to be fun, <laughs> right? And then an obscene amount of just up, upfront cash to pay for plane tickets, pay for insurance, stuff like that. And I remember I got an email from the AG, Assemblies of God office, because that's the, the sending body we went with. And I remember I got an email from them, and it was like, hey, Congratulations, you finished your budget. I'm like, yes, awesome, finally, we can go. And so they sent me a copy of the budget. But when I looked at the numbers, they didn't add up. See, on one hand, on one column, they had the amount, right, that was needed. And then in the other column, they had the amount that was raised. And the amount that was raised didn't match the amount that was needed. See, they had made an accounting error, a simple error on Excel spreadsheets to the tune of $16,000. Can you imagine, like, your, your whole life's work? Like, this is, this is what I'm made for, to go to the Czech Republic. I'm, I'm made for this. God has called me. I know it beyond a doubt. And then have somebody tell you you can go, but not double-check their math. Like, there's a whole department of people that are just supposed to do the math. I majored in history. I should not be catching these math mistakes. Right? And so, massive, huge disappointment. It set us back a whole year. So we didn't land until 2016. And if you're going there for human needs, if you're going there because they need it, you won't survive something like that. You'll quit. Because their need isn't worth your suffering telling you how it is. And then when you get there and life starts to hit you and you're starting to be pressed and shaken and beaten, when people at the kids' school start physically bullying your children, is it worth it? If you're going there because somebody needs Jesus, it's not. But if you go there because Jesus is your king, it is. So it's no mistake we went to the Czech Republic. The region that we were in, and uh, the band can come back up. The region that we were in was called Moravia. And Moravia isn't famous for much. But there was a group of people called the Moravians that came out of this area. And they uh, were neither Catholic nor were they Protestant. They were kind of their own thing. And in the early seven, late 1600s, early 1700s, they came under great persecution. They loved Jesus. And, and so they were run out of their homeland, and they traveled north through Silesia and then north into Poland. And when they hit Poland, they, they headed west into lower Saxony in Germany because they had heard that there was this guy there named Count Ludwig Nicholas von Zinzendorf. Great name, right? Yeah. <laughs> I thought my name was terrible. <laughs> Could you imagine having to write that on forms all the time? Ludwig 
Ludwig Nicholas von Zinzendorf over and over. Like, there's not enough boxes on the SAT. Anyway, um, but this count had opened their, his land to all Christians that were under persecution so they could come and live on his land under protection. So they joined him there, and through a process of events, in 1727, they had a prayer meeting. In 1727, they had a prayer meeting. This prayer meeting lasted 100 years. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, somebody was praying. Isn't that incredible? It's in the Guinness Book of World Records. Longest prayer meeting in history. How would you like to be the guy that missed his shift and ended it? You know? It's like, Hans! Hans! Weren't you supposed to... Oh, no! You think you feel bad when you oversleep for class. No, you just ruined a century of work. Way to go. Do you think he has to wear a dunce cap in heaven? Like, it was me. Anyway. Gets there and Jesus is like... Not a crown. How about this one? You get a beanie with a propeller. Anyway. (laughs) During that 100-year prayer meeting, they sent over 3,000 missionaries across the globe. They founded missional communities all over Europe and the Americas and Africa. They were the first missionaries to reach Greenland and the Labrador Islands in Canada. This was the 1700s. Right? Then in 1732, um, Count Zinzendorf was there with some friends, some traveling companions. They went to Denmark because Zinzendorf was related to the king of Denmark. And he heard about this island that was off of the island of St. Thomas in the Caribbean. And on this island, on this island was a slave owner and a plantation. And this, this plantation owner was an atheist. And he said, the plantation owner said, no preacher or minister will ever come and, and stay on my island. If he's shipwrecked, I'll keep him in a room separate from everybody else. But I don't want to hear anything about this Christianity. So Zinzendorf and his, his buddies, they start praying. And they petition the king of Denmark, let us go, let us go. But the king could not force them to go, right? So these two men, radical men, that understood that Jesus was the king and it wasn't about human need. David Nietzschman and John Leonard Dauber. David Nietzschman and John Leonard Dauber sold themselves as slaves to the slave owner and then used the money they got to pay their portage to get to the island. Did you catch that? They sold themselves as slaves. And as they're leaving the port in Hamburg in Germany, David Nietzschman is said to have leaned over the railing as he's fading out of sight because they're not going to see their family again. They don't have FaceTime. They don't have instant messaging. No, this is the 1700s. They're saying goodbye forever, and they're going to a sugar plantation. David Nietzschman leans over the railing of the ship as he's fading from sight, and he yells out, May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Jesus is worth it. Within six months, David Nietzschman was dead. And John Dauber sent a letter back 
to the community in Hernhut in Saxony. And whenever they would receive a letter from the field, everyone would gather in the great hall and they would sit. And they would have what they called agape meal. And agape meal wasn't, wasn't a meal, it wasn't a feast. It was simple bread and water because they knew the missionaries in the field probably weren't eating that good. So they wanted to share with their sufferings. And so they would eat the meal of bread and water and then they would read the letter out loud. And John's letter said, David has died. Is there anyone else who's willing to come? I'm not going to last much longer. And so at the end of the meal, they read the letter and then they prayed. And after prayer, two more people stood up. They sold themselves as slaves, boarded the ship, and said, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And off they went. And it continued like this for 50 years. 13,000 souls were won. 13,000 souls were won. That's larger than the university. They reach places all over the world. These crazy Moravians. Because they understood, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. So my question for you, my Christian friends here, my question for you is, how much are you willing to give so that the lamb would receive the reward of his suffering? What are you willing to do? Are you willing to be seen as a weirdo? Or is your social status on campus worth more than God? I believe that God's speaking to some of you right now about a life and a career in missions. And I encourage you, accept that call. I haven't regretted it one minute. And there's suffering and there's trials and there's hardship, but may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And there's some of you here also that you're the reward that Jesus seeks. He suffered and died on a cross because he deserves you. You are robbing the king of the love that he deserves from you. You are a a rebel in his kingdom. And if that's you, I want you to come to the front after we pray. I want you to come to the front and I want you to get on your knees and I want you to surrender and lay down your arms. Because you're going against reality. You're going against all that is good and loving and kind and just in this universe. And he doesn't deserve it. He deserves your love. So, how much are you willing to give? How much are you willing to suffer so that the lamb that was slain can receive the reward of his suffering? Let's pray.